0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daaf Shavua as we study Misachus Kisuva, Daf Yud Test. We are on the staff that a contract is not always a contract. What does that mean? So, let me give you a little bit of a work uh, from some of my brief experience in the legal world when I was clerking for the surrogate's court let's say you have a will which is a very uh, solid contract you have witnesses that are signed on to it it's usually uh, affirmed at least at a certain point by the court and you have the reading of the will or the distribution of the will and very often you will have uh, relatives that contest the will now how do you contest will? the will is again contractually solid so in American law there are many defenses to a contract which means there are many or several ways that you could argue that the contract is not valid the contract was done under duress even with witnesses it's an unconscionable contract it's just so far out of reasonable standards when you're dealing with elderly people who are writing wills, maybe close to the end of their lives, or changing wills that were previously done, because wills could be modified, you're often going to, or at times, will have relatives who don't feel that they're getting as much cash as they should, will end up contesting the will. I had to deal uh, with some very fascinating cases where people made such claims And sometimes, you know, a little investigation takes place and you realize that maybe this kid never really went to visit his parents or call his parents. Now, again, whether parents should use, you know, the kid's behavior as the way to determine how much money they get, you know, these are separate discussions. But I'm just giving you a case. That's not the case that we're dealing with in Aragamara. But there are going to be times where everything looks good, but it doesn't necessarily work. Now, this also we have to keep in mind that when it comes to a Jewish contract, a Jewish star, there's going to be certain qualifications in order for the witnesses to be valid witnesses. You know, it's interesting, just one more thing in American law, you don't necessarily in every single state, in every single town have the same Qualifications. We're not just talking here about gender, but even as far as being age appropriate. In uh, New Jersey, the very light standards as far as who could be the witnesses on a contract. Even on a marriage contract, you know, you could have relatives. I think as long as uh, the officiant is over the age of 12 or 13, it's considered to be valid. So this is just to set us up a little bit of what's going on with our mission of the mission that we actually saw on the last DAF, and to deal with uh, today's DAF and some of the issues of contested contracts. I want to give an overview of this uh, DAF. It's really a great DAF. And there's a couple of uh, points, really going back to last week, Yud some Bey's but especially in our DAF, you'd test really until the end of the DAF, where we're dealing with different types of Shtaros. And some of the Shtaros uh, are legit. Some of the Shtaros really shouldn't be out on the market. And what you're seeing is a certain shift from the way things really should be, and maybe once were. Let me explain. According to Torah law, if someone has a star, let's say you have a uh, Malva has a star that says that he lent money to a lova to a borrower so we'll call the malvash uh, Ruvain we'll call the lova Shimon. Shimon can't say that the star is a problem or he doesn't know it because he bottom line, it's a valid star you have Aism on there. And the way Eidos and Star work is as if they're present. Adam are talking. We say apishnay Yakum Davar. So this is enough of a way to take the money out of the hands of the person who owes the money. We say there's a principle of alav Alavaraya. You want to take money away from a person, you have to bring a proof. This is the proof. Now, what happens if the guy says he already paid it? Okay, that's a separate discussion. But we're just talking about the validity of the shtar. Chazal saw that people were not behaving, and we're going to continue with this with uh, some really interesting applications. Hey, You end up seeing within the Jewish community some people who are willing to do almost anything to follow halacha, not to sign falsely on a star, and unfortunately other people who are willing to be scammers. And uh, unfortunately these are issues. You know, they say that in the past, the Jewish uh, handshake was 100% valid. Today not everyone's so sure about it. In the uh, shiurim that I give Wednesday morning in the tefillah shiur, we talk about these issues. We've been talking about these issues, how tefillah, and uh, much of the davening special editions that were added by Chazal are meant to have an impact on how we behave. That's why you have Hilchos Masa Umatan under Hilchos Beis Knesset in the Shulchan Arche. Now, eventually what we see in the Gemara is there was a need for Kiyom Shtaros, was to show that these signatures are valid. So it's not enough just to rely on signatures. We are concerned about forging or other possibilities, maybe different claims, as I pointed out in the beginning of this year. So there's three basic ways that you could have Kiyom Shtaros to make sure that the aidem on there are valid. One is if the ADIM themselves come in, and they say we recognize um, that these are our signatures. Okay, that's very easy. You also could have other people come in who recognize the signatures, be an interesting question whether you could recognize someone else's signatures today. Then there's something called a henpek, which means that Besden keeps on file different uh, shtaros that were signed by people, and they're able to do a matchup of the shtaros. So, that first point I'm making is just to show how there was a certain transition historically from Doresa to Durabanon to add to the validity of a star of signatures and this only the only reason for that was because of an honesty concern. Now when you get into Daf Yud Tessam and Aleph, you see an incredible thing, this is where a mayor seems to argue with the Chachamim. And the Gemara makes a statement that people are not going to sign. Remember one of the defenses to a possible uh, contract, is the Adem will say, Anusim, we were forced into it. So therefore there's no chazaka, that their signatures are valid. The Gemara has a Havamina, and I want to spend a little time on this, that people rather be killed than signed falsely. You know, this is similar to Shavuos, to taking a Shavuah. But here, even though it's less significant than taking a false shrua, we discussed last week with the shrua's essence, with different types of shrua's, but here, to put a false signature down is so outside of the box of what a Jew would do. You know, it's midvah shekher tirchuk, and maybe it's even more than just lying because it has a permanent lie to it, that there are people that are willing to give up their lives for this. Now, the Gemara at the end says that anyone who would do this, this is foolishness. Because at the end of the day, it's not the halacha. And you're not supposed to be a uh, fool. You're, supposed to, you're not supposed to give up your life. But it's showing you that there was a certain value that was associated with honesty, whether people would give up their lives or not. And it's very important to keep this in mind because that's part of what's going on as the Daf continues. So I just wanted to give a little bit of a framework of this honesty in business practices. You know, I'm recording this year before Parshas um, bow, Tavshin Pei Gimel. And there's an interesting question that is raised about the Jews during the Makkah according to uh, the second opinion in Rashi, is based on a medrash, that during the dark, they would check out uh, what the Egyptians had, and then they would ask to borrow it with really no intent to return it. So the Gemara discusses, you know, what's the ethics behind this. In fact, there was a uh, trial in Egypt that took place where the Egyptians were trying to collect with interest from what was done, you know, thousands of years ago, even though it's not the same Egyptians. Now, it's interesting that uh, Ibn Ezra says there's no kasha. It's similar to what the Gemara is saying over here, is the halacha is the halacha. The Ibn Ezra says, this is what the Rebun Shalom required, so there's nothing to even discuss. But there are Mepharshim that discuss it. Obviously, if Hashem commanded it, it was allowed. So maybe it was considered like a, a reparations, a payback. In fact, if you look in this week's Parshim, the Aznaim Latora, he talks about the question of reparations with the Nazis, which is a big issue. He compares it to this situation. and um, But the key, again, is the honesty factor. <clears throat> and this is something that we see, of course, The Gemara tells us in Masech HaShavuz that the first question that we're going to be asked when we come up to the Rebona Shalom is, "nasasa v'nasata be'emunah. That's question number one. The faith over here is, of course, in Hashem, but it also means that you act honestly. If you have faith in Hashem, then you're going to act uh, honestly. In fact, Tosfos asks a question in Sanhedrin on, on Daph and Omid Aleph, because Rav Hamnuna says, Eint dino shal adem, So that seems to be a stira, that the first thing you're, first thing you're asked is about div- divart Torah, about Divritora. So Tosfos gives an answer. The way I like to explain this Tosfos is 1st he asked about Masa Matan. That's the Matir. That gets you to the next question of did you learn Torah or not. But the bottom line is, it starts, And in fact, in Parshish Yisro, there's an incredible Arachayim. The Arachayim says that the reason why Yisro was necessary, <coughs> what's wrong with Moshe Rabbeinu, why do we need a Yisro? So he says, This is Arachayim, Perk Yichas, Basach HaFalef. It's to show Hashem wanted to show the Bnei Yisrael, the Dar Vadar, in every generation, that the Jews aren't necessarily the smartest people. You know, you think you get a Jewish lawyer and you'll get it out of all your problems. You think uh, you could write, sign a, a, a fraud star, or you could come up with a case to say that you were forced into it when, when you weren't forced into it, or any of the arguments that we see here being used in the Gemara. Yisro teaches us that the reason why we are chosen by the Rebona Shalom is not because of our brains. We could be smart, but it doesn't mean that we're the smartest. And the reason why we're chosen is because Hashem chose to give us the Sefer Torah. And I always take an opportunity to stress these issues. The uh, If you look into the Shulchan Arach, the Mem Ches, the Shulchan who lived in the 17th century, he writes, he's talking there about Tazakum Akum and whether you're allowed to keep money from a non-Jew who made a mistake, and he says the bottom line is it's a bad idea, even if you could find some technical way. And he's talking here really in a general term, is that if you're going to become rich on someone else's expense, you may get away with it. But what's going to happen is eventually you're going to lose your money, and your children or grandchildren are going to have to carry your bad reputation. You find almost a uh, identical formulation much earlier in the Sefer Hasidim from the times of the Rishonim. Al person shouldn't do an avo, shouldn't do a, uh, what we call an avla, even to a non Jew, dvar they bring a person down, they're not going to have any success with their finances. And even if you get away with it, eventually, eventually, it's going to be something that is taken away from your ch- children or your uh, grandchildren. So I wanted to give that as a little bit of a framework into what's happening with the staros. Even if you could get away with it, in the long term, honesty is really at the core of uh, the issues that are being spelled out here. Just one more example of a uh, confusing star. So we have the shtar amana, which again is coming from a good place. You have a malva who wants to end up lending money to a lova, to a borrower, to a borrower to fulfill uh, the mitzvah of giving loans. You know, it's considered to be even higher than any level of tzedakah. But the way this was set up was a very uh, silly way. It was well intentioned, but it was set up as a star. That's a full star, even before the loan is given. So you try to accomplish something good, and you end up creating a lot of confusion. And then the Gemara points out some of the setbacks of this when it comes to other people who may uh, be in need of some of the money. So this is just a reinforcement of you know how careful we have to be with staros how the halacha is the overriding factor of how we're supposed to do things. And through this, you end up learning a lot of the different principles, Pesha Asa, Pesha hitir. Also, as far as what we discussed last week, whether a person would ever deny giving, uh, taking money away from someone. And we also saw the shift from a Dereisit to a with where the reality that we have on the street is we'd love everybody to be 100% honest, but we cannot rely on that. Have a great week of learning.